Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. Swim podcast. Swim podcast. Welcome, buds, to Swim episode number 11. The someone who isn't me on this one is Mr. Billy Gould of Faith No More. Um, he was in London recently, and we got to speak about the upcoming reissue of the Faith No More debut album, We Care A Lot, which is coming out on Billy's label, Call Arrow, on August 19th. And we spoke about the band's history, about the band's reformation, uh, and nerded out about bass playing. Sorry about that. Uh, we also started to speak about some new material, and as if by magic, my phone started ringing, even though I was pretty convinced I'd turned it off, um, as if the universe was saying, shh, that's a secret. You mustn't talk about that yet. Anyway, so that's what happened. Also, if you hear this, like a, like a weird kind of noise going on in a couple of places that's because um we were very kindly allowed to use the sonos studios in london big up sonos uk for letting me use the studios to record that um but whilst it was happening there was actually a man outside the studio cleaning the floor with an electric cleaner thing um so that's what that noise is enjoy mr bill gould check out the reason you're here is because you're re-releasing the first album right which I'm really excited about. I actually dug my copy out last night. Cool. And um, and it brought back a load of amazing memories for me. I remember getting it when I was like, I think I must have been like 14. I think I got, yeah, I'm pretty sure I got Introduce Yourself first and then kind of went back and was like, what else can I find? Hmm. Um, you know, I have really fond memories of that record and it, it's um, the rawness of it. Definitely. Well, I mean, really, we had three days to make a record. You know, we saved up all... The we scrounged up as much cash as we could get from whatever direction we could get it in. We had just enough to get in there for three days. And mm. uh, so it's raw because there really wasn't any time even for overdubs, hardly. Mm. Uh, it was mixed and everything. And uh, uh, But that's there's a certain thing where, I mean, you can just feel that it's rough. And also Digital Reverb was kind of a new discovery <laughs> in the early 80s, yeah. you know. But... Um, but uh, it's you can it wobbles like a real band you know like and and kind of like kids too it's kind of has a I, I noticed that when i started listening to it again when we were running off these masters yeah and i it actually i i liked it in a good way i was kind of afraid because it's it's like the old high school yearbook pictures you know yeah. you don't want to look at and uh i think it holds up well yeah i do too i, nice. I was surprised by that actually and, i wasn't um, expecting that yeah and it, like is it that you went in and did five tracks first? Is that right? You recorded yeah. five songs and then, and then, Mordam kind of. I mean, that was the well, first release yeah, on yeah. Mordam as well, right? Because exactly. at that point, it was just a like a I say just a. <laughs> it was a punk distro. 
Yeah, Robert. exactly. They were just distro. They were doing like alternative tentacles and a, a yeah. couple other small labels. And okay, so what happened was, you know, we were this really strange band. We had a lot of friends in SF, and we were part of the scene. But it was this kind of music that really didn't fit in with any other band. We couldn't find a lot of bands to play with, and um, we we did a demo. Uh, Matt Wallace had this eight track studio that was. Uh, and we did a demo, and it's just like nobody was picking up, and nobody was grooving to it. And I kind of have this idea, like, the problem is it doesn't sound good enough. Like, there's nothing wrong with the music. It's just that sometimes people in the delivery, things can translate better, and they, they're more open to hearing things. And it was like, I just had this theory, like, if we can record it a little bit better, maybe people would get it, you know? And what yeah. other choice did we have? We, You know, we were, we were just hitting walls anyway. And... um so yeah, we we tried this thing where Matt's like, we can go book this, get this good rate in the studio. Let's just go there. We'll spend the night there. We'll sleep there and just make this thing. So we had like five songs, and uh, we just banged them out as fast as we could. And uh, after what, the weekend, I, what ones were they? Just out of interest. Um, the first side of the record. Actually. Oh okay. And um, so a friend of mine worked at Rough Trade in San Francisco, and I was just like, okay, now do we? What do we do with this? And it's like, well, you know. You go to work, play the cassette on the uh, sound system while people are shopping for records. Yeah. And maybe to see if anybody says anything. That was like our marketing, you know, yeah. a, a thing. And um, somebody as a friend of ours, so I think she was working at Rough Trade too. Whatever happened, Ruth Schwartz was in there and she heard it hmm. and asked, or somebody asked him who this band was, was playing because they wanted to buy it. And he goes, oh, it's just my roommate's band. And Ruth probably like within a week after we finished that mixing called and said I want to do a record label and I want you to be our first release and we we're wow. like oh my god it actually worked yeah I mean I don't know if that's why it worked <laughs> but well, that's what happened yeah that's what happened that's and so it. she you know gave us got us the money to go and do side two <laughs> yeah. that's such a funny way of doing it as well yeah anyway. but but it's cool also because it was really like it was really just kind of like us and it's like just completely gambling. I mean, we I don't know when we could have ever paid that back, you know, like yeah. the money that we got. I mean, it wasn't going to come back. But it was just like we had to do it, you know. Yeah. I, I now you've said that now I kind of want to listen to the album in its entirety and see I mean, is there a noticeable difference between between the two sides? Because I hadn't even Not thought really. of that before. Actually, there isn't. Uh, it was recorded in the same place, so yeah. we used a lot of the same mics in the same room. So yeah, it wasn't that it wasn't that different actually. We had uh, what we did with this record is okay. One of the things that brought it out was when we signed this deal with Ruth Schwartz and Mordam. I mean, she gave us the most artist friendly deal in the history of the music business. So after like five years, or whatever, we just have masters we okay. own the record and it's the only one that we've had where we actually came back to us and that's probably why it didn't come out for 20 years is because <laughs> <laughs> we were preoccupied with touring and stuff and didn't really think about this old record that we did and yeah. um also it sounded pretty primitive to us uh you know back in the 80s like converting from you know mastering to digital it was a different sound a little thinner and brighter and yeah. digital technology was kind of new and it wasn't until last year <clears throat> I was cleaning out <clears throat> my basement in my house. Yeah. And I found these reels of tape. And I was like, what are these? <laughs> and they're the old master reels from that's, the record. That's so funny. I didn't even know I had them. And uh, so I called around and said, I'd like to bake these, you know, and, and get them transferred to digital now with good converters and see. 
And I went to Fantasy Studios and just booked like a couple hours to do that. And it was like they sounded really good. Yeah. And it was kind of like what they sounded like when we were mixing them back then. And, and I hadn't heard it sound like that in a long time. And I was like, just told the guys, like, this hasn't been out in 20 years. We got it. We own it. We should do this. And yeah. they were like, hell yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of really what made it all come together. That's amazing. And to be in the position as well, you know, with with you having Cool Arrow and also, mm -hmm. I guess, with Mike having Ipecac right. as well. I mean, it's a, it's a great position to do that. It is. It is. It's great. It's great. I mean, like they say, it's kind of like when you're in a band, it's kind of like you're serving food, you know? Music is like food. You have the restaurant, but, you know, we're kind of at a point now where we're growing the vegetables in the backyard too. Yeah. So it's completely from beginning to end where the delivery system is ours. And yeah. It's a lot more work and detail, which sucks for musicians, but... Uh, it's great. It's a really great thing. I think, but all, from an outside perspective, that's how, how the band's always been. It we always, have. Yeah, I mean, regardless of who, who was putting out the records, it always felt like you were a band that was... We were control freak oriented, for sure. <laughs> yeah, okay. I was trying to <laughs> think of And we always want more control, <laughs> more control. <laughs> but it's, you know, and it's always been, you know, when I was a kid and I first got those records... I mean, it was like nothing else I'd heard. You know, there were elements of post-punk in there, sure. And then there was like elements of other stuff that kind of, you know, there was bits of Sabbath and there were bits of this and bits of that. And But everyone within the band seemed to be like a real... I mean, I mean, obviously, but like a, a real standout personality. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like with a lot of bands that it always just seems like everyone focuses on, oh, it's, here's the front man and here's the lead guitarist. Right. But it just felt like, you know, like... Yeah, every personality that's what, was strong. Yeah, yeah. really strong. Yeah. And I think that was that was the, the beautiful thing about the band and also probably one of the things that made it a total ball. Like I had to, an ulcer at 22, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But, I mean, I guess that's the, the, the reason the band sounds the way it does. Absolutely, it is. Because it everybody... Is. And it, it's funny because, like, you've, you've known Roddy since you were kids. Ten years old, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And then um and as I understand it you became a bass player as um to to fill a role essentially, right? Sorry? Was it was it that um when you were when you were uh, a kid and there, and your friends started forming bands, people were playing instruments. Was it was that the way it was or it were was, you always It was. Well, it, it's funny. That's what made me even first think about it was um yeah, there was a group of us used to ride around on bicycles. <laughs> yeah. In, around in this area in LA and um, Roddy was one of those kids and I remember riding around we would basically go to the store and buy candy and hang out and eat candy together you know yeah. <laughs> and uh, somebody was Outlaws. taking drum lessons <laughs> and another guy had a guitar at his house and so we just kind of decided we were going to be in a band Roddy already knew how to play piano because his mom made him take piano lessons mm -hmm. and so everybody kind of had an instrument I wanted to be in a band and the only thing I didn't even know what it was. It was bass guitar, but I knew that we didn't have one. So I was like, okay, I'm going to learn how to play bass. And I went home and told my mom, I want to learn how to play bass. And uh, I was like 12 years old. And uh, the band never materialized ever, but I just started learning it and I just kept going. Yeah. Wow. I'm grateful for that. <laughs> yeah. Like, for me, like, when I first started learning to play bass, there mm. were, like the guys that I really looked up to were you. Oh, cool. Um like David Sims from Jesus Lizard right, right. and Joe Lally uh -huh. from Fugazi and, right. in, and even though you all have very much your own styles there, there was something that that kind of tied it all together for me because it was very um, 
propulsive and yeah. and this the, it's active the rep- right yeah the, and the repetition is you know right you're all bass players that were bass players mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean I would say that's true because it, it wasn't they were all you know you were all playing parts that were, were just vital to the song that propelled it but also it wasn't just like oh, I'm the guy that yeah, plays the guitar yeah, lines right. and 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 just fills it fills in the the weight at the back. It just felt like, like when did you start developing that as a style? Well, did that? How did that come about? I mean, I started I started learning how to play with fingers really. So it wasn't so attacky uh, until I met Borden when I was eighteen hmm. uh, because his the way he plays is attacky. There's no other way to yeah. play with him or make it really work. But I mean, I would say like those other bass players you mentioned, and I I could be wrong, but if I could make a guess they probably learned the way I did and that was you know I learned how to play some songs off records but basically what I did first thing was I joined a band and started writing music with other people right away before I even really knew what I was doing yeah so I would just kind of listen to what does this feel good or does this not feel good Hmm. and I didn't really have any rules to follow And, and a lot of people I've met for the bass guitar you know are basically told this is your role you want to fill in between the drums and the guitar so you want to fill in the holes and uh be as invisible as possible (laughs) yeah Uh, right i'm the songwriter and stop stepping on my stuff and and i didn't have that i just had kind of had what can i do with this and Mm. i don't want to walk on the guy but what can i do that's kind of fun for me and um so there weren't a lot of rules and that helped a lot and what was what were the bands when you first started playing because i guess you're saying about um playing with Mike and his style of right. drumming is again is so distinctive absolutely um if you I mean yeah I guess that that were you kind of going down that road already though before before you started playing with him let me think about that I've kind of I mean okay so I'm 53 years old now and I started playing when I was 12 so I've been through a couple different approaches yeah, yeah right <laughs> but when I first learned you know 12 to 13 to 14 to 15 all the cool music to play bass was what my friends' big brothers were listening to, and that would be Yes, yeah. Genesis, King Crimson, stuff like that. And so quite proggy and very and, proggy and a lot, a lot going technical, on. Technical, yeah, and but also stuff that I would, my definitely my twelve-year-old self would never ever be able to play in a million years. Yeah. So also kind of like not really that accessible, you know. I remember like uh, I was in a band with our original singer Chuck Mosley. Hmm. He was a keyboard player originally. Okay, and. Um, Actually, a guy who works it um, on Resonance, Art Terry. He's a DJ here okay. in London, and a guy named uh, Mark Stewart Stu. He's known as Stu. Anyway, he's these are all different people that all ended up being doing other things with music. Um, but anyway, when I was like twelve, thirteen, fourteen, um, I played with them, and I remember that we were all kind of like prog guys, and that somebody brought the Sex Pistols record over to the house, and I. It's like I want to hear it. I want to hear it. And yeah. It was like that's terrible. That's the worst. And like I think like threw the record across the room, you know. And then okay, let me put. The, can you put that on again? And it was mm. like, you know, I don't want to admit to anybody, but I kind of like this, you know. And uh, I think it took like two days where I was like, okay, I'm totally into this, and yeah. this is totally music that I can play, mm. and this is totally music where my teenage self actually really enjoyed because it's like not passive music and it's it's it took the music from being on a pedestal and it really made it like uh kind of me my personality yeah so i would say musically that was really the thing and, and it's okay i met borden and he has a totally different style but i would say i took 
my mentality and that was already there and I kind of just fit it with style and I didn't worry about the technical part as much as the feeling part hmm. and actually I mean if, if I was playing in another band I, I probably not that I would probably wouldn't do that well in a lot of bands I'm I'm I do what I do hmm. I learned how to do what I do uh, but um I don't stack up. Other people do what they do much better than I could ever do. But I found my my voice and my place, you know. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I mean that's what that's what makes the band so special as I said. I, I suppose think. so. Yeah. That everybody... It worked for me. Yeah. I mean, I don't I I'm really glad I didn't get stuck in the route where I had to, you know, learn the rules because I probably would have been very mediocre. <laughs> yeah. That's how I ended up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um I I look I look back on these things now and you know, obviously Sol Invictus is out, and and it and it it got amazing praise because rightly so, it's a brilliant record. Thank you. But it did feel like you know I I think as as a fan, you were definitely one of those bands that everybody wanted to to come back. But I understood that the situation was you know you'd been through these lineup changes, and then and then when when the real thing came out, it just it just felt like suddenly things were really taking off, and and it and was it then the touring grind that kind of I mean we had it anyway really because back in the even this record the first record and then introduce yourself I mean we did some pretty rough tours without yeah. any money and and we kind of already were between ourselves a little bit fried and we were young we didn't really know how to communicate well with each other we were yeah. very respectful that's for sure and um <laughs> there was a lot of alcohol involved <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but uh, by the time we did the real thing and we did all the touring, um, that part of it continued on. We just were having very little time for ourselves, and okay, so we're getting in our later twenties, and we kind of wanted to have a little bit personal lives, and we didn't. And yeah, that's that was a real pivotal point where we kind of all maxed out, I think, hmm. psychologically. Yeah, but then great art came out of that. Ever you know, it did. Angel Dust is is without a doubt one of the finest well I don't want to be that guy but I think it's yeah. for me personally it, it, it's, it's it definitely is well respected by a lot of people yeah, yeah yeah. I'm one of those people cool Um, it's weird I mean our thing I, I don't know if I can compare to any other band because our like Angel Dust was just such a gut reaction like if we're going to keep our sanity we have to do something like this you yeah. know and really we, we were encouraged in every way not to do what we did and when we did it, it really didn't go over that well. And it was kind of like we, we kind of had this need to make this record and we didn't get much positive feedback at all. So it was like we trusted our, our gut and it was wrong, you know. But what else could we do? Okay, in retrospect, it wasn't. Yeah. You know, when you're yeah. saying that this is as influential as it was, okay, it wasn't. And and I, I understand that. But it was very strange for us because... We knew we were doing the right thing, but we didn't ever get any validation for it, really. Not yeah. that much. Do you do you feel like? Um, but when you were doing that record, did did you did it feel like this is a total fuck you to a lot of what was going on around the band, or did you feel like this this is uh, I, I don't know? You don't really take those things into consideration, do you? Is this going to be no. a commercial? You, you can't think like no, that no, if you're no, making no. art because then you then you lose everything. It, it was more like, uh, what? I mean, I look at it from, you know, to be subjective, like, what would excite me to do right now? Yeah. And what am I sick of? And, you know, with the real thing, part of the thing that came with this success was we were just kind of thought of, this is new style of mixing funk with 
metal music, you know? Yeah. And these guys are doing this thing. And so, you know, think about it. You're on tour and, you know, some kid wants to give you a demo tape and it's some band with a funky bass line, you know, with a metal guitar. And I was probably one of those guys. I'll apologize now. <laughs> <laughs> but we, I got a lot of that. And I was just like, this is the last <laughs> thing I want to do. You know, yeah. I, this yeah. is not me, you know? Yeah. And, uh, well, that's the funny thing because that it did, it did seem like at that time there was all of a sudden, here's this new genre of music and we can talk about what that then became right. later on. But I mean, it just seemed like you were never part of that. It's like occasionally you'd play, you'd have like a slap part. Right. And people were like, oh, okay, slap bass. That's, right. uh, so so they're, they're part of this thing. Yeah. And I remember when like all the bullshit about about you guys and, and the Chili Peppers when that came out when Patton first joined and oh, it yeah. was like are you fucking kidding me I didn't that never made sense to me either like that's just strange him saying yeah uh, well yeah. I mean As things happen. But, time, time has proven yeah, but it's like you're playing cards you know and, and you're like uh, somebody gives you this is your card this is who you are and you're like yeah. I don't want that card can I have another card please Yeah. and they're like no why don't you want your card hmm. you, we're giving you a card and you know take the card that you're giving it's like no I don't want that card hmm. that's not me and it was a little bit of that, and and I'm glad we we fought against that. Uh, we would definitely wouldn't have made more records if we would have gone that route because yeah, you know there were other frustrations and stuff too. Yeah. So it, and I think really Angel Dust was the beginning for me of like a real productive period of making cool stuff and really just yeah. going like because after that we did that we were still alive we we're still intact. It's like well, okay, so we did something totally stupid and. We came out of it okay so we can do whatever the hell we want yeah and actually the more further we would take it almost encouraged us because uh it's like it's everything's gonna be okay <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah Where, when we were making angels everybody's like why are you killing your career you know that's crazy looking back at it now in hindsight isn't it because of the the, the reach and the influence of of that album in particular well not i mean the band yeah his entire career but for some reason that always just seems to be like that that is one of those people... things yeah yeah is that frustrating thing because i mean you've made a bunch of really amazing albums but it does seem in a way like that one always seems to get you know it should bother me but it doesn't yeah uh, i guess not no because that was one we really did stick our neck out on so i actually yeah. really happy but i haven't heard that record in you know 25 years it holds and up i probably really won't well. yeah cool it really does and it's crazy because there's so many bands now, not like younger bands, because it seems like a lot of kids that are coming through now that are playing in bands and that are having success, they don't have the their uh, list of influences stops like two generations early. I don't mean I that like in generations as in age, but I, do right. you know what I mean? Like I feel like the influence of Faith No More on a, a bunch of bands, it's like Deftones, for example, right, okay? Right. Okay. Uh, and... And to a degree, Slipknot as well, like Corey will... Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's always, always been real supportive yeah, yeah. of us, yeah. Um, but kids now that are coming through in bands will go, oh yeah, like, our influences are Deftones and Slipknot. And right. it's like, well, do you, you're aware of Faith No More? Right. Are you aware of Killing Joke? Are you aware of PIL? Right. And, and, and I think... I don't know. It just kind of you know it though, kind of bums me out a little bit. I think it's always been that way. I, I remember I grew up in L.A. in Hollywood, and uh, and uh, I moved up to San Francisco, which is a totally different scene. But I remember asking my friend, like down in it's like in the '80s, like 
what's what's it like in LA? What's the music like in LA? And like, well, it used to be like these punk bands that I hated didn't know who the Sex Pistols or the Damned were, you know, yeah. were punk bands. And now there's bands in LA who don't know who Black Flag or uh, the Adolescents are, you know, so yeah. they don't even know who those bands are. Yeah. And it was like, I mean, that seems similar to kind of maybe now. It's just yeah, kids are very so. short-sighted. What do they discover is their immediate thing first? I don't know. Yeah. But, I mean, do you ever sit... I guess it's a weird thing to ask, but do you ever think about the influence it's had? Because no. I think I think you know it changed the 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 face of heavy music without a doubt. Well, it's really cool to hear, but I would go crazy if I thought about things like that. Yeah, I mean, I'd still like to live in 2016. <laughs> think I have more things to offer. <laughs> <you know? laughs> Yeah, no, I, I and, and but yeah, but, well, but, but it, it's an well, amazing we, thing. Yeah, it's an amazing thing. Like like last night at the at the Metal Hammer Awards, like it made me realize like people I don't know who know who I am and respect talk to me with respect. That's an amazing. That's a great thing. Yeah, really. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing. Definitely. You know, after this huge period when the band had broken up, everybody was doing other stuff. You know, you were running the label and mm -hmm. playing in, in in other bands, and mm -hmm. Patton just seemed to be. At doing everything else <laughs> that and more yeah yeah and you know mike was playing in played in ozzy's band and right. stuff so everyone was busy but it was like when at what point did it feel like that now's the time to kind of was it do you think that it was just a case of like yeah what what was the what was the what was the reasoning and also how how did that come about that those sort of first steps I wasn't around when it. I think the thing really started. That's when Roddy got married, and everyone went to his his wedding. And yeah. um, I was in Europe, so I didn't go to that. And they all got together and had a great time, and like kind of all hanging out for the first time since we'd split up. Yeah, I mean, we'd all seen each other individually, but not all together. And I mm. think that everybody got a little sentimental. Yeah, I wasn't there, so I didn't have that. Yeah, <laughs> and then I heard <laughs> I heard they were all going to get together for lunch again, and I was very kind of I was actually oddly enough the most skeptical and suspicious in a way it took me a yeah. while to kind of you're like really what's what's this all about you know but I hadn't hung out with them and actually when I did meet them for lunch we had a great time yeah and it was kind of one of those things like even if I wanted to be guarded I couldn't because I was happy to see them it yeah. was kind of cool to all be at the same spot and yeah we all do have these experiences that only we know about that we can't share with other people because they weren't there and mm. it's part of who we are as people yeah like it or not we're the only ones that know about them yeah. and it's something cool about that yeah it's a very magical thing it is thing. It's, it you is know, um it, i i find that like you know i'll get get back together with with, with guys i haven't seen like you know like the guys in a and we don't right. see each other that that often now but when we do it's like no time has passed at all and we could have not seen each other for it's years it's really interesting isn't it how that works yeah it's, it's kind of strange yeah but so then starting up to to play shows is one thing that's a big step right but it, it's fun right. there's money involved right. great right but then obviously then I remember at the time when, when you first started playing those shows everybody's like when's on the internet when's the record when's the record when's the record when's the record and it's it, it almost seems like an inevitability but at the same time I was I thought it was very cool that it, that it was very much just like no we're just I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Don't play shows because we like to play. I mean, that was frustrating for me. I wanted was to it? make. I wanted to make music. Yeah, you know, I don't want. I can imagine. I don't, it. it takes a lot of effort. I mean, it sounds all great. You know, all of a sudden people want to see you play. They're going to give you some money, play mm. these big shows, and it, it seems like it's very simple. That's all you got to do is show up and play. But actually, for me, it, it's a whole focus thing, and it's like, well, I don't want to put so much of my energy into it unless there's a creative part to it too. Yeah, you know, and um, and that took a while. If I think for everybody to get comfortable enough to want to go there, because that's also a whole other commitment. I yeah, mean, when you're making a record. And that's why we didn't tell anybody we were doing it. It was mm. because it's like, once people know you're doing this, then everybody wants to stick their nose in one when it's done. Is <laughs> yeah. it out yet? How come it's taking longer? What's the deadline? It's like, we don't want any deadlines. We don't want any stuff. Let's just not tell anybody, you know, until it's ready to go. Yeah. And how did it How did it all start then, that, that first? We're so stupid. I mean, as a group, we're, we have a great... We have a lot of great things about us, you know. We're very headstrong and in a good way when we sync together. But we have this other thing where there's like an elephant in the room. Nobody will bring it up and nobody will talk about it. Yeah. They just won't. And it doesn't mean that they don't want to. It's just nobody wants to be the guy to say it first. Right, yeah. I don't in, know. What, in, case some, I mean, in case other people are like, nah, don't want to know. It's, it's like family dynamics. Like <laughs> Uncle, Uncle Charlie's a drunk, but nobody wants to actually come out and say it, you know? Yeah. And we had that. We had that probably for about a year of doing shows. And it's like, I don't, you know, you don't want to be the guy who brings up something unpleasant because every, you're having such a great time, but mm. you got to bring it up. Yeah. Why did you and go and spoil it by saying that? Yeah, yeah. One day I was just like, was at our rehearsal space and I just told Borden, like, we were just sitting around and like, do you want to just record some stuff, you know? I mean, I got my mics here, you know? just make some noise, you know, and don't you ever want to do it? And he's like, yeah, totally. You know, it was, it was so easy just to ask him, you know, mm. and, and and we just recorded some stuff within a day. We, I think we did super, like superhero was like that first day. It was, it came so quickly. And um, then it came to a point, it's like Roddy, you know, so this is kind of what we did, you know, and he's like, yeah, sure. Okay. I was like, okay, that's great. Now, okay, we've got to talk to Mike P about this, like, yeah. What's he gonna do? You know, yeah. like, and uh, I just said, "Hey, man, like, we're doing some stuff. You know, I don't know if you, you know, just hear it, whatever. Take mm. it for what it's worth." And he's like, "Oh, do you want me to sing on this?" <laughs> and I was like, "Well, <laughs> that, no, we were that would call be cool Chuck again. <laughs> yeah, no, that would be cool." But he was like, "He's like, oh, this is really great." What? Uh, could I be involved? <laughs> you know, nobody is like That's... everybody's so passive. You know, when you think about us, like I mean, the way we are with other people, we're so headstrong, like like kind of overconfident almost. Mm. But like with each other, it's like everybody's like all not wanting to be the guy to you know to say I want to do this. You know, yeah. it's very funny. We're really strange like that. Wow. Yeah. That's surprising though. It is surprising. It is surprising. But that's kind of how it's and so. But then I mean, the cool thing was it's like well, look at nobody has to know. You know. 
like let's just do something and see what what happens you know mm. and so we you know we're in rehearsal space and we just started recording and like but then it's like don't tell anybody we don't need this bullshit you know we don't mm. even know who what label's going to put it out we don't know anything we're just kind of doing something to see what kind of happens and yeah. uh it was all going really good and we're like this is pretty cool and it's like you know and know, this was like, all in the rehearsal space yeah is that right? Yeah, in rehearsal yeah. space, exactly. And 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 then and it's funny because then after you know we did this for like six months, eight months, and you know you go out and the way at least in the states people are like always up to me like, what are you doing now? You know, mm. what are you doing? And they look at this concerned look on their face, you know, where I, like I'm supposed to be telling them how productive I am, you know, and I'm just like, yeah. oh, you know, just not telling them that I'm working on a record, you know, I don't want to tell anybody, and everybody's kind of like. What some what what do you what do you I mean you got you're playing with these guys what are you doing and we just yeah. didn't tell anybody uh, but it was great because when we kind of said we were gonna make the record it was about eighty five percent done and we knew right. we knew we were there and we were cool with it and just like and it was great it was perfect and how did you did you settle on when you were releasing it the way you did with the imprint because I, I can imagine that as soon as as soon as people are aware that there's a record coming, there must have been a bunch of people. Or is that just me being well, naive? Was there a bunch of people offering to put it out? There was. Um, okay. It's a really weird period of time we live in now, you know, where yeah. we're supposedly this iconic band that you are, hasn't put out a record in for, for 18 years, you know, and yeah. so it's like, well, so we're talking amongst each other. Nobody knows we're making this record. It's like, this some people say if you did something now it would be huge you know and other mm. people were like you know why don't you just put something out you know and, and it doesn't matter anymore you know this is the digital revolution and just you know put it out for free you know like so you know there's all these different ways you can go with it and uh and mike was like you know we could totally do this and like epic i could totally do this and it's like yeah but you know i'd like to know just what it's like out there you know like let's just throw our little cast our net out there and just see you know how people would want to hmm. put out our record and what would happen and everything we got back we got interest but it was like oh that kind of sucks though like oh like oh but then we'd have to do that and oh oh that doesn't sound like fun you know mm -hmm. <laughs> and Mike's yeah. like you guys why don't we just do it ourselves and he's like hmm. yeah you're totally right but we kind of had to go full circle and see yeah. what our options were that was definitely the best option yeah yeah, I think so as well. And, 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 you know, as we said at the start, like the band is so self-contained and, you know, why not? Yeah. But I, I mean, yeah, I was curious because I, I would imagine that, that there would have been a few people, but but the way deals are set up now, it's it's horrendous. It's a weird world. It's a really weird world, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to say. I'm just talking to the, the cranky old man. I'm going to stop right now. That's fine. I'm, I'm that way as well. Yeah. <laughs> but I am... Um, I presume that there's there's every chance that there would be more of that. Is that right? There should be. Oh my god. What a dick. Sorry. <laughs> that's unbelievable. Well, I'd like to hear more, that's for sure. Especially, you know, the I, I when I first approached the record, like I remember I said to you when we did an interview interview for Radio 1, I was like I was almost ner well I was, I was kind of nervous listening to it the first right. time. Right. Um just because I don't know. It's one of those no, things. We heard when, that a lot from yeah, people. because you feel like you've invested so it's much part of your life. Yeah, and you don't want to see it go bad because <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people told us that, and it's funny because it's like you. A lot of people cared so much about the band, but then they start telling me how worried they were, and they don't want to hear it. Like, I know people that <laughs> yeah. bought 
the record when it came out, but couldn't have the courage to put it on, right? Yeah. For like a week. Mm. And, and it was like, God, you know, I'm really glad that we're cool with what we did because, like, you'd be scaring the shit out of me with this. Failure is this big F staring me in the eyes, you know? Yeah. And it's like it's 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 great that people like like are invested in the band like that, but at the same time, being a member of the band, it's like, damn, you know, that they're what are you scared of? Like, let me hold your hand. It's everything's yeah. gonna be okay. You know? Yeah, I know. It's it's, it's a it's a strange psychological condition, you know. It's but it's it, it's also really cool because it means you know people are really connecting it genuinely with the music. And, yeah, and they care. That's that's fucking great. I mean. Yeah, I mean, as, that's as, all a, you as can a guy want, in right? a band, if somebody has that reaction, that's what—that's it. You connected. Yeah. Well, I, I look forward to seeing what happens with it. But going back to the, to the reissue, yeah, I think it's really interesting because I, in my head, like you've just blown my mind when you said that you, that you found the, t- the tapes in your basement. <laughs> yeah. Because you know, I'm I'm aware of how things work, and I know how, that that people, you know, have to wait a, a certain period of time before they get the rights back on their record, right. and if you know, if at all. I mean, they do, but it's a long time, and and I I I kind of thought it was one of those deals. I thought that you know, I mean, it's what thirty thirty one years, Is yeah, right? nineteen eighty five, yeah, thirty one years, yeah. Wow. So I figured it was one of those that that you'd got the rights back, and you were like, well, we can do this with it, and we can make it sound, as you said, more how, how with the initial intention, like a bit thicker, a bit more right. warmth, and right. Um, but yeah, it wasn't. We got that. the rights back in 1992. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With this being one of those things now, where there's, there's a lot happening, you know. Obviously, with like Page just did all the the Zeppelin ones. Right. I was speaking to him about that, and he was that you know they were finding tapes of of things because he he was I meticulous. He kept he kept tracks of things, and they were going to studios and finding out that things had been stolen. Like really? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I bet. Why? And bootlegged and yeah. whatnot. So I was curious as to as to what what there would be as as far as the extras. So so that you've got some demos on there. You've got like the remastered stuff. Right. Um, well, the demos are basically the demos that we did in the A Track Studio that didn't fly with people. <laughs> but you know they don't I'm sound that much different. Uh, yeah. But but you can just kind of hear how we did the songs when we only had like I mean we did those and mixed them in two hours or something. Right. They were very quick. Um, it's just kind of interesting to hear, you know. Yeah. And those were taken off of um, reels as well. I had those reels, and then okay, so the 2016 mixes, what they're called, we have three songs, and uh, I found another reel in my basement, and it was a two-inch tape. It yeah. was multi-track. It was only for three songs. Ah, so I transferred okay. those at the same time, and I said, "Hey, Matt, let's do a little experiment. If you could mix these songs again, because I know he, he there's certain things about those mixes that probably bothered him for 31 years. Yeah. And it's like here you go, do what you're gonna do. Mm. I'm not even gonna." get in on it you just do what you're gonna do and give us what you're gonna give us and it'd just be a cool experiment and that's and what we did and you just let him have free just let him do it. it just let him do it that's it that's very cool so it's cool it's it's funny in what he did differently and also it's kind of funny in how it doesn't sound that much different in mm. a way too it was just a cool experiment and it's kind of like if you could do what you did in 1985 again in 2016 what would you do different and that this is kind of what it is yeah yeah I was wondering if there would be any like, um, I mean, there are there's recordings out there of of, of you guys playing those songs now, or, or a couple right. of them anyway. Right. But, um, re-record the songs, you mean? Yeah, I don't know. It wouldn't feel the same. No, I don't think so. 
it would be interesting to just hear the difference but that's just me as a nerd i think well we have these um one other thing that that our drummer got he's he's the guy he's the archivist in the group yeah. i don't know why he didn't end up with these master tapes and why i did yeah but that's how it happened but he has like a lot of old videos and, and board recordings from us over the years and um he has this one video that nobody's ever seen that somebody gave him a copy but this guy has like the only copy and it's when we played a live show around the release of of this record hmm. and it's and it's cool to see us playing the songs off the first record live and um it's from that era and the sound is a little different and you can see us playing it's pretty primitive but it's cool and hopefully we're going to be able to release that with this record out you know and get it out somehow yeah. because it sounds pretty good we used two of the songs on that recording on this record as well two live tracks okay. and they're taken from this video but it looks and sounds really good oh cool well, look, yeah I'd like to see that I don't know if I ever saw you I don't know if I saw you play around that with Chuck yeah because I like I was thinking about this the other day cause, and then I started thinking I'm sure I saw him play with Bad Brains and then I was like have I made yeah. this up no he no, did they, yeah they did they did a show at the Marquee oh. but um yeah I, I I think I no I couldn't have done you know it's, it's cool for no, me I definitely didn't it, thinking about it did you I mean did you tour over here with him around that Chuck time? we did two tours with yeah? him yeah yeah we did two tours yeah when would, that would have been what like 86 86 87 yep yeah. yeah, I mean, actually, the reason we're touring, yeah, we toured at all, is because here it actually connected. It didn't connect in the states at yeah, all. That... First interview we ever did was with uh, Sounds, and they they flew out to Atlanta to interview us, and we couldn't believe anybody even wanted to talk to us. I mean, yeah. it really worked here first that more than anywhere. Yeah, it seemed that way. I mean, it, it's always seemed like it was like like a real like here and Germany and and South America was always really yeah. good as well, right? It's, it's kind of weird. It is weird. Why did you put that down to? Do you think it was just because the band was so, I, I was going to say progressive, but I don't mean that in a, like a, right, yeah. that way. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It was, it was so much its own thing and, and didn't, wasn't prepared to sit in, in amongst anything else. I really have no idea. I, it didn't fit in with everything. I'm surprised, um, actually, the audience that kind of first really gravitated towards us was a heavy metal audience. Hmm. And that's cool. Uh, but I never thought I was in a heavy metal band before. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I, I don't care. Yeah. Do you know? That's great. And it's a lot of metal music I like. So that's all good with me. But but it was just kind of interesting how, like, that's kind of the people that kind of really, the rock and the rock crowd really grabbed it first. And, yeah. We have this kind of rhythmic, kind of almost dancey music. Yeah. And I said, like, why do these guys like that? But I'm not going to, you know, ask why and take what I can get. Exactly. <laughs> how, so, yeah, I mean, how did, like, how did you see the band when you first started? Because I think the post-punk feel was definitely there and it just felt like there was like, yeah, like it, it, it felt like that there was, I, I'm, I'm, this is probably, probably right. me getting it wrong, but it felt like there was a, like a lot of British bands in Absolutely. there like post-punk and like you know like I said like, and Susie and you know a little bit of goth even which is is kind of weird well, but it just I don't know when I was okay so when, when we first started I, I played with Mike Borden when I first met him I mean the band the music we were playing was kind of post-punk actually okay. like theater of hate kind of that kind of stuff yeah. and uh, what kind of really was a break for us was I mean we're California boys so 
I really thought music, like with post-punk, was really moving in a very positive direction. It was going into new places, and that part was really interesting. It's like bands like This Heat, you know? Mm-hmm. Total forward-thinking stuff. Uh, but, you know, I surfed. And it was like this other energy that... that so it wasn't me playing just that kind of music in with those rules wasn't me. It wasn't who I was. And yeah. we we kind of had some tensions with some people in the group that we parted ways with uh, who kind of wanted to go that way. And... Uh, we're just like we gotta, we have to be who we are. We have to be ourselves, and that's kind of where, you know, Chuck kind of jumped in, and Jim actually kind of jumped in, where it was like, you know, we don't really know who we are. We know what we like. Yeah. But we're just kind of a bunch of peckerheads, and we're just gonna try to be ourselves, I guess. Yeah. But I think, I think that maybe there's something familiar with people here, where there's this post-punk kind of melodic structure, but. There's this also kind of exotic California thing maybe we had. Yeah. I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah. But I mean, we skateboarded and I don't think like yeah. <laughs> Sisters of Mercy skated, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm, yeah, I'm just making a guess. I, I really don't know. Yeah. Would cool. you, are you going to do any shows in support of this, do you think? That's, I would like to, and I'm going to try to. Because uh, that, then that's another thing entirely again, because if it was... I mean, you don't play. How many of those songs do you play? You played. Good um, question. Like, Worm. Yeah. Sometimes we do pills for breakfast. Yeah. Sometimes we'll. Well, we do care a lot, obviously. Yeah. Um, sometimes we do. Why do you bother? Actually, quite a few of them. Yeah. We play probably almost half of them. Okay. Yeah. Then it. Then it doesn't. Yeah. I hadn't really thought of it like that. Well, it's funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's so funny. There's so many. This group. When you go 30 years, there's so many different eras. You kind of have yourself. Yeah. It, we're even like a mix of different eras. I mean, because Patton does a lot of Chuck songs, but it actually feels pretty natural. So yeah. there's like, as the worm turns with Mike P and there's the original one, and it's almost like two different bands. Hmm. But it's the same people for the most part. And it's, yeah. it's we, you know, I, I don't know. Well, when you did those those shows and he, and, and Chuck came out, he, yeah, how was that? I was weird. Like, uh, the weirdest part was the sound check because hearing his voice on the monitors was a little strange. It's like, yeah creepy it was creepy it was like a dead like a person that came back from the dead you know I, I have so many bad memories of playing shitty clubs with hearing that voice on my monitor <laughs> uh, but uh but uh great you know and and you know when it goes to a point like that you can't do any wrong i know chuck forgot like lost a lot of words to the songs and stuff but it really didn't matter you yeah. know it was kind of the spirit of the thing and the spirit was the thing and also he kind of brings his energy into the group that it's a different group it's really strange to say with everybody else is exactly the same, but mm. well, maybe oh, Jim wasn't there, but but yeah. still, you know, we he came out as an encore where we just did a whole set as Faith No More 2016, hmm. and uh, Chuck came out and did like three songs, and it was like like my wife used to say like, wow, you guys were a totally different band. This music is totally different with him, you know, and it's true. Hmm. Uh, so it's cool. It's you look at yourself a little differently. You in a yeah. way you kind of see that. This person who you think you are actually has more dimension than you thought you did. It, it, so for discovery process, it's really cool. Yeah. To see that, wow, there's another side of me that I never, I forgot about. You know. Yeah. It's it's pretty interesting. I mean, that's that's the thing about a band, isn't it? It is it. It is really the the, the sum of its parts and the chemistry and and how those it things is. all interact with each other. It how sounds you... it sounds crazy, but I mean, especially when you know you you've you've had a few guitarists. We have absolutely. <laughs> And yet, and, and Jim was funny. like our sixth or seventh, actually. Yeah, we already had six or seven before Jim even joined the band. Yeah, and for you to say as well about how 
how you were embraced by like the metal community i mean that's the one thing that you would think would be the this is the this is the in which i guess it was to a certain degree for a lot of people because his jim's playing was very it was very that and he had way. his history right yeah the band i mean you know it's the core members have stayed the same with the you, three of us, me, Roddy, and, and Borden, really yeah. were the guys, yeah, that were the core. But yeah, it is when you think, and yeah, when I think of it like that, and then you're saying about when he came out that it all changed. It's it's quite uh, astounding that in a way when you think that you to have all those changes and yet the band is, you know, there's a clear line from this album which exactly. you're re-releasing. You can hear us in that, yeah, that first record. You can. That's the cool thing. But it is really different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, it's like back to the cooking analogy. I mean, really, sometimes just a little bit of vinegar and it takes the food in a completely different yeah. direction. Yeah. And it's just one little ingredient. And so bands, like when you have something, it's it's very vulnerable to change, actually. Mm. And you have this really delicate balance that looks very natural because you're consuming the final product. But actually, it's very sensitive and a changing of one little part changes the whole thing. Yeah. It's a, it's a very, I don't say precious. That's a, that's a bad word to use. But it's it's... It's Fra- fragile. Fragile. Yeah. 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 And d- I mean, did you did you feel that each time, you know, somebody else would come in and somebody would leave? How 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 tricky are that were those transitions? I mean, I mean, I, just... I, I think like the, the transition between Chuck and Patton was was the most obvious one from an outside perspective. Mm-hmm. Just oh beca- yeah, obviously because that, I mean, you know, that's. That's initially what a lot of people will lock onto, that especially if they're not musicians, right? You know, but but it seemed like such a like a clean. It sounds weird, like a clean transition. Do you know what I mean? It didn't feel like clunky and stuff. I mean, everyone right. was finding their feet. Well, even though on he was a lot record. younger than us, really. Yeah, exactly. And at, at the beginning, I remember we first came here with Patton, and the re- reviews were calling us like it was like the new Coke to the old Coke. Yeah, like they got the shiny new Coke, you know, and and yeah. and. So we had a little bit of that. But yeah, I mean, uh, probably because, I mean, if I would have if I would have consciously wanted the next singer, I don't know if Patton was where I would have gone. Hmm. If I was saying, we need to get a singer who can do this. Like, we need a guy who's going to get us to sell a million records, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, maybe I would have, maybe I wouldn't have. Because he was a real kid then. He's 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 grown a lot since he first joined us and, yeah. and, and, and kind of come to his own. And, and he wasn't there when we first got together and um it the really the point was that it kind of it just felt right like he kind of felt what we were doing and he put himself in a way that we all fit together and it was one of these gut things that is like we can continue because the feeling of what we were doing is still there and it's not the conscious thing that you can make happen by just picking this over here and adding it to that Mm. you just kind of have to know is it tastes good or it doesn't taste good and it tasted good yeah to see how he changed from that initial, you know, like it, it must have been so, like it was. It's so weird looking back on it now. Like you know, when when he first joined the band and 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 the and the sudden kind of the whole MTV vibe of everybody jumping on and going, oh, this is going to be this. And yet at the same time, you know, then people become became aware of Bungle that that necessarily wouldn't have heard that before. That's true. And you know that band's fucking bananas, great. <laughs> but um, I mean, he was doing things. Like, I remember seeing shows where <laughs> he would just do these things that were so obnoxious. Oh yeah. And and 
Well, that was beautiful to see. <laughs> because cause it just it seemed so jarring, you know? Like this weird kind of fucking Gigi Allen style. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the beautiful things, isn't it? And yeah. Anyway. It's funny, you know. I mean, he was talking about like he was just getting injured with us back before we split up like in the 90s and he was getting like I can't I'm over the shit you know like mm. you know having a stage dive and do all this stuff this stupid shit I do it's just you know it's because you know you know I hate it it hurts you know and so he did you know 15 years where he besides Mr. Bungle stuff where he, it was different mm. um, it was a little more cerebral yeah. and, and musical uh, in a different way and um, when he came back to playing with us again after Brixton like he started doing the stage dives and stuff again. It's like, <laughs> we're not telling him to do it, you know? Yeah. And he was he was like, he was hurting himself. He's older, you know? And he's yeah. like, I'm trying to figure out what it is being in this band that makes me do this. But it was very natural. He did a lot of really obnoxious things, but he was being compelled to do it. Yeah. Something about the music and how we were as people, that's kind of his, he found his place and that's how he found it. And it's it's really strange, but yeah, it's, it is what it is. That's what it is. This combination of people does that to him, I guess. Amazing. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, I think that's a good point. All right. Thanks, man. All right, man. Appreciate cool. that. Thank you for listening to Swim Podcast Episode 11. Cheers to Bill Gould for being amazing and also a total inspiration and making me want to play bass in the first place. Um, as I said, their debut album is getting reissued on his label, Call Arrow. It comes out August 19th. There's new mixes, there's demos, there's live recordings, all sorts, as we discussed, obviously. Uh, you can follow Faith No More on Twitter and Instagram on at Faith No More. It's at Call Arrow Rec for the label as well. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Daniel P. Carter. I've started trying to do like these little videos that shows the sort of progress as i'm painting some of these portraits that are the cover images for the podcast but i always get to a certain point and then have to concentrate and kind of lose out on doing it but anyway there's a bit there anyway you can have a look on my instagram if you're enjoying the podcast remember if you've missed any don't forget that the old episodes are still online there's great stuff with maynard james keenan chino moreno Corey Taylor, John Baisley, Jacob Bannon, Scott Ian, Ollie Sykes, Sam Carter, etc., etc. They're all pretty amazing, I think. I'm stoked with all of them. I won't lie, I'm pretty happy with how the guests are panning out. Um, which brings us to the next episode of Swim, which is actually going to be a two-part magical extravaganza with Mr. Alan Moore. That was an amazing thing. I went up to Northampton and we hung out at the Lodge Studios. Thank you to those dudes as well. Um, you can hear that on the next episode. There's gonna, It's going to be in two parts, as I said. Once again, thanks to Sonos UK and letting us use Sonos Studios. Please leave a review on iTunes. Five stars would be much appreciated. Hope you enjoy it. Spread the word. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
word, spread the love, peace.